0: Hey, everyone, I would like to welcome you into NetLife with myself, of course, Dawn Staley. Alia Boston is the most dominant player in the country. Um, I, I do believe she was the most dominant center in her freshman and sophomore years. And she's developed into the most dominant player in our game. And I just think it's, it's who she wants to be. Like when you have a goal, when you have a dream, when you wanna do something, you don't rely on other people to define that. And what she's done is she's just worked on her game. And then she made it such um, that she leaves no questions when it comes to to who the best player in the, in the, in the women's college basketball season is. I believe Aaliyah Was underappreciated by the media in years past. This year, again, she leaves no question. So the media can't do anything besides praise what she's done, what she's accomplished, what she will continue to accomplish in our sport. You know, Aliyah Boss is the easiest to work with. Like she's self motivated. When a player is as good as she is, there there's no one that's going to motivate them besides themselves. So I have the easiest job in America when it comes to having a player like Leah Boston, because you just have to, you just have to give her small details and how to um, avoid triple teams, small details in game, just to say, Hey, just take a look at this. And she'll shake her head. Okay. And then she'll, she'll execute and deliver. So the self motivation is what 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 drives most great players. She is by far the best leader, captain, uh, practice player, everything. She approaches everything like you see her playing a basketball game. Like every single thing, she's a great student. Um, and I, I I have to turn the focus off of her and on to her parents, because you can tell that she's somebody's child that is disciplined, that's no nonsense, that's um, a faith-based family and they raised both of their daughters the right way. We I've had the fortune of uh, having Aaliyah's sister, Alexis, um, as part of our, our basketball family for two years, so it, is who they are as a family. Aliyah's game will translate to the WNBA very easily. Um, here's why. <laughs> she won't be triple-teamed. She will barely be double-teamed. So she'll be single-covered um, in the league. Um, she can shoot it. She can score it mid-range. She could. I mean, she's dominant in the paint. Um, what, what I would love for her to work on is becoming a better passer because that's probably in a weak area and it's probably a weak area because we've, we've needed her to do so much other stuff. And now that you know her teammates are great compliments to her, she can start working on some of the things that will complete her game and that's, that's passing. But no doubt about it, uh, she'll be the number one draft pick next year in the WNBA draft, without a doubt. I caught up with with someone that I personally know and admire. Um, Her leadership skills are um, something to uh, emulate, something to aspire to, um, something that will certainly help young leaders out there in in our sport and beyond. Well, I am super excited for my guest today. As a student athlete, she was all SEC on the basketball court for Georgia. She went on to spend some time as an assistant coach for the basketball team, Coach Andy Landers, before moving to the administrative side of uh, athletics. Welcome to NetLife History Making, Carla Williams, the University of Virginia Athletic Director. Director Williams- Thank you for joining NetLife.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, to be on here with
0: you. Well, I, I'm gonna have to start with uh, just kind of, what are you doing now? And I just have to bring up, have to bring up um, me being a, a Virginia alum. When I first got onto the grounds, the grounds, because we don't say campus, we don't say camp, we say grounds. We say first year, second year, third year, fourth year. Yep. Um, it, it took me a while to make the adjustment of the prestige of, uh, <laughs> of UVA. Um, but I like it because it's a lot different than any other university in the country. And, and we separate ourselves with some of the little things that are pretty neat. How long did it take you to really um, use grounds versus campus? um
1: it took me uh I, I probably messed up a few times in the first couple of months uh but it became natural after that so and you know it's okay we still use uh freshman sophomore junior senior for sports uh, but we we definitely use first year second year and so on outside of outside of sports it didn't take me long Dawn it, it didn't I, I had my eye on Virginia for quite a while so I was hopefully prepared to be here
0: Really, mm-hmm. so so as you are making the ranks, and I'm I'm actually going out of order. We're just gonna have a conversation. Oh yeah, let's go. As you are just preparing for that next move, mm-hmm. you you was it just UVA? Did you have a couple of yeah? Um, you did a couple of programs that you were eyeing.
1: Yeah, so so I've been at UVA four years, and uh, probably ten years ago. I, I was at Georgia in administration and I was advancing and I realized that you know, I was advancing and I was gonna hit a ceiling at Georgia and I needed to be thinking about you know, what was next and where, what are the places that I would like to be an athletic director, you know, what is attractive to me? And I had a great job at Georgia, so I was very selective and I narrowed my list to less than five schools and Virginia was on that, on that list. And uh, for a lot of the reasons that you probably picked Virginia too, um, but, you know, it it was on my list so much so that I remember um, telling one of my colleagues, and this was a decade ago, that I sure would love to be the athletic director at the University of Virginia. And so I've been paying attention to Virginia for a long time.
0: That is that that is super cool. I think a lot of people um, get comfortable, um, like like you being at Georgia. You know that's your alma mater. You know you were moving up the ranks, and a lot a lot of people are are just comfortable with that. But you know I, you're, you're telling us how you think. Like you you were gonna make some moves. You just you were strategic in um, the move that you want to make, and we're we're so thankful that you're the athletic director at, at UVA. Um, we know it's not a, you know, it's not an easy job. And I, I don't, you probably took the job because it wasn't an easy job. It was a job in which um, needed a woman's touch. And that's not to say anything about the, you know, anything about the the previous athletic directors. But when you took over UVA, you you followed the first African-American athletic director in ACC history, um, and you won up him by being the first ever African-American female athletic director in the Power Five history. Mm-hmm. Um, has, has that magnitude set in? Y- yes, <laughs> uh, and I'll, <laughs> I'll say
1: yes. And, and you, you know what it's like when you're in a leadership position, you know, heavy heavy lies the head that wears a crown, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so me knowing that I was the first black female to be an athletic director at this level I obviously knew it when I was dreaming about being an athletic director. No, there was no one else that I could look to and say, that's what I want to do. So I knew I would be the first when it happened. Um, Feel completely blessed to be in this position. And, 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 you know, I've heard you say this before, and I believe it 100%. It is an awesome blessing to be in this position because you can you can chart a path for others to follow a trail for others to follow, um, and I get to mentor uh, a lot of uh, people of color, a lot of women, um, and I get great satisfaction in that. Uh, but this is the part where I've heard you say there is a burden too. You know there is a there is a burden to being uh, on that pedestal in that spotlight um because um and it's a burden that not uh many of my peers just like not many of your peers share you if you fail then it's a setback for a lot of people you know which makes success that much more important
0: it's called pressure like is this extra pressure to being in that seat and um um i know you were ready for it because you're you're handling it well and you and you have opened the doors for other african-american athletic directors i know you know uh candace candace lee vanderbilt I, I know you probably had run-ins with uh, nina king mm-hmm. um, at duke mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts on you know those numbers increasing over the past couple of years since you sat at your throne yeah,
1: I love it. You know, it, it was a while. I was the only one for a while there and I was you know, starting to get a little discouraged by it. And then Vanderbilt thankfully hired Candace who she was long prepared to be in that job in that position um, who I recruited out of high school when I was coaching, you know, so I've known Candace since she was a junior in high school. And then the same thing with, with Nina, um, very, uh prepared to be in this role and a great pedigree. And so I'm so thankful that there are more and more presidents and chancellors and universities um, hiring uh, people who look like me um, and not holding that against us, but but looking at our qualifications and looking at our experiences and, and saying this person is well qualified to do this job. and so I'm hoping that there will be many, many, many more to come
0: what What do you think the hangup is? Like what do you think the reservation is for like a president to hire yeah. a, a black a d like yeah, because yeah. because other people need to hear it like yeah. you you have to be prepared for it like you you certainly um it is a little bit different. Okay, good and bad. It's a little bit different in, in being a, a black woman and being you know, the athletic director over a power five school. And it it's not an easy thing because everybody, you know, most power five schools are predominantly white universities. And it's yep. so what do you think the reservation is yeah. besides besides just the race? Cause there is a difference and it's a difference. Yeah. And and how we view things, and we have to be extra prepared for the position. So what do you think? What do you think the presidents are thinking?
1: I think that race and gender are definitely factors, and that's not unique to the sports industry. It's unique to every industry. So definitely factors. And I think that there's a fear or uncertainty about the unknown, right? If if there aren't many of us. are athletic directors then you can't look to examples to say okay well this is how they handle that situation this is how they handle this situation and so uh, there are plenty of black women working in senior positions in athletic departments that are well qualified to be athletic directors they need opportunities they need for presidents and chancellors to to actually uh, look past uh, the the profile and look at the work that these women um, are doing and to provide those same opportunities to to work so I think it's a fear of the unknown because there aren't many of us and you can't look to it and figure out you know how successful um, thankfully uh, Candace Nina and I are doing a really good job we're doing great jobs at schools uh, we, we work with and hopefully that'll help you know, eliminate some of the concern about whether or not we can do the job. From a gender standpoint, for sure, sports, you know, there aren't many women leading sports programs, period, whether that's, you know, coaches or athletic directors. And so that plays a role in it also. Um, And that's why it's just been such a long time coming and it's taken so long and there's so few of us. We, We do the job every day in the department. We run athletic departments every day. Um, but it, when it comes time to to hire us to run the entire department publicly that's where there's a hesitation
0: just switching gears a little bit your thoughts on what happened at the NCAA women's basketball tournament with the with the weight room and the meal situation uh, compared to you know compared the men to the to the men not,
1: um yeah not i wasn't surprised at all i okay. mean i've played you know i went to college to play in 1985, and I've so I've played in the NCAA tournament. I was a GA, you know, during the NCAA tournament. I've coached in the NCAA tournament, been an administrator. This, this the, I was not surprised. Uh, what was surprising was that it was still that way, right? So 2021, 20, I can't remember what year that was. 2021, I believe it was. To see the stark differences um, was painful. Um, but I have to say I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't surprised. I don't think you were surprised. You know, um, it, it's unfortunate that we are at this point and we're still not surprised by such uh, inequities. But, you know, and you know, kudos to the student athlete that sent the video and, and, and posted the video to bring light to it um, because I think that's what needed to happen. And it's reverberated in there. And I know the NCAA convention was, is happening right now. And there was a big discussion on it on one of the first few days about the inequities with the women's uh, championships overall, not just basketball, but with the women's championships. So hopefully our, you know, the governing body for incident uh, for college athletics will um, take it hard heart and make some real changes.
0: I, I, I'm seeing a, a a big change in just the questions that were being asked about the tournament, about um, the money that's going into it. I see the branding um, on social media is changing. Um, so, you know, I think it was a a situation in which Sedona Prince's um, TikTok video came to light and brought about change, which is which is a good thing. Yep, very good, a good thing. thing your gears a little bit, Miami's athletic director was on ESPN U-Radio on Series XM at the end of last year, saying that he believes the future of the NCAA's name, image, and likeness policy should be legislated by Congress. Do you agree? Someone
1: needs to because we're <laughs> not doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing a good job of it uh unfortunately so um you know I, I you know these discussions are happening with state legislators and also you know in congress and uh that may very well it, it be where it ends up is with congress having to help us govern ourselves because we aren't doing a good job of it right now
0: how are you handling it on uh, on uva's grounds yeah, so I, I was uh, been
1: engaged in this conversation for the last couple of years on the NIL, so, you know, everyone knew it was coming. So for us, we've tried to partner with the law school, the business school, um, College of Education to, to educate our student-athletes. So we've got partnerships with the academic units on grounds um, to educate our student-athletes. So they have a resource, and then we've also partner with these you know, ex- external companies, just like everyone else, to also educate the student athletes. Um, you know, w- here in Virginia, we, we didn't have a state law, so we we actually worked with the state legislature and the governor's office to have an executive order. And right now, uh, or yesterday, our uh, proposed bill just got forwarded to the full committee for review, and hopefully uh, we'll vote it into effect here in Virginia so that student athletes can uh, enter into NIL agreements and take full advantage of that. So, you know, it, it's different in every state. Uh, we want student athletes to be able to, to take advantage of these opportunities and, and we want to be able to help them take advantage of these opportunities. So we're, we, we spend, I'll bet you Dawn probably, um, 20% of my day is spent on NIL right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to get it, trying to get it right. Trying make, to, yeah. Sure that, yeah. Trying to make sure that, that Virginia is uniquely positioned in that space
0: too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's 20%. That's, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. So it's important. I mean, it yeah. is a, an important thing and you want to put UVA in the best light to attracting um, the best um, athletes, because that's what it's about. It's about it's a recruiting tool, um, and I know coaches are using that as they used it. Um, I don't know how well it's going for um, student athletes, but they use it. And I and I wasn't one that that used it as mm-hmm. far as we couldn't do anything. It we was so new that yep. you really can't do anything, and things things are changing every single day on on the topic, but. Some of my players are benefiting from it, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing. And, you know, and it's, it hasn't been a distraction yep. for us overall because we did some of the stuff up front as as their coach. I I sat down with all of the student athletes on our team that wanted to sign with an agent. Mm-hmm. So if I, I say if you want to sign with an agent, I'll reach out to some of the agents that I know to see if they have some interest in representing you. And we did a zoom with them, Mm -hmm. their parents, the agents, and we did this all in the fall. So now some, several of them have agents and they're, they're just, you know, it's, it's probably 20% of their day as Mm -hmm. well, trying to figure out what to do, what not to do and what fits in their schedule. So it's, we're at a good place, but I know it's going to change. I'm sure at some point, but it's somewhat under control.
1: Yeah, it'll keep evolving. And I love the way you handle it. And I think that's where we make mistakes in college athletics is we don't do things up front. We kind of stick our head in the sand and then hope for the best. And that's not the right approach. So, you know, meeting proactively with the student athletes is is the right approach.
0: So I had a member of the University of South Carolina's board of trustees as a guest earlier this, Mm -hmm. this season. And he explained what the university trustees do so I'm going to ask you, what are the main responsibilities of a university athletics director? Oh, goodness.
1: <laughs> I was going to tell you what their main responsibility <laughs> like is. The board. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, I spend a lot of time managing people. And um, what's happening in college athletics right now, none of us prepared for. I mean, we, we, this wasn't written down anywhere. I, um, you know, the pandemic NIL, whether or not student athletes become employees, the Austin case, you know, we, we, you know, there, there isn't a playbook for most of what we work on every day. And so, so what I've decided to do is make sure that we've got the right people on the bus and then the right people in the right seats on the bus and then, uh, and then you still have to make sure everyone. You have to motivate people, right? And you have to have people who are internally motivated, uh, because this job is is not getting any easier. It's getting more complicated, more complex. Um, and if if you want to thrive, right, and be successful, then you've gotta be you got to be forward thinking. You got to look around the corner. You got to anticipate and. And you got to have the right people in place that are thinking like that every minute of the day. You know, how do we get better? How do we help our teammates get better? How do we help our staff get better? How do we help our coaches get better? Um, So I do a a lot of that, uh, a lot of fundraising. I was just on with a a couple of donors before I hopped on with you and talking about the vision, talking about the changing landscape and uh, securing investment and what we're trying to do at, at Virginia. So, so fundraising, uh, managing people. Um, what I love the most is when I get to spend time with student-athletes. I love that the most. I love going to watch them compete and, uh, you know, try and fail and try again and succeed. And, um, yeah, I, that, that's the best part of my day is spending time with student-athletes.
0: So I was going to ask you, what, what's your typical day? So you just told me that you just got off the phone and it's in the morning. Y'all It's still fairly early in the morning. You just got off the phone with some potential donors. You're on this podcast. Like what's the rest of your day? What does that look like? Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, let me back up to yesterday. Cause it, 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 it I think it'll be helpful. So I'm a, um, a uh, mentor through the NCAA's pathways program. So I had an aspiring black female uh, athletic director with me all day yesterday. So we, uh, on Mondays, we have most of our staff meetings. So with our senior leadership team, and she got to sit in on that, um, with our our sport administrators. So everybody that supervises the sport, we we meet, we met yesterday. the NCAA convention is still happening, so I listened to a couple of those those sessions yesterday as well. Um, talked with uh, staff, uh, internal and external, about NIL. <laughs> um, you know, and what's what's next, and what do we do next to position UVA? Um, talked with uh, donors again. You know, in the afternoon, and then we, you know, we have men's basketball game last night. And so, um, and then today from eight to nine twenty, I was on that donor call. And then I hopped on a call with you. Um, and after, after we get off, I've got to prepare a couple of items. I promised those two donors. <laughs> so I'll be preparing something to send to, to the donors, um, here in a little bit. And I'm working on something, a new project that I hope will be unique to UVA and, um, You know, will help us not only with fundraising, but with raising awareness and and enhancing um, our athletic department uh, in a big way. So, I'm working on that project this afternoon, also.
0: So, who's the next? Like, young? You you said you're 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 mentoring. You just had someone on 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 the grounds yesterday. Who's the next or the next few young black um, aspiring? ADs that that are that are ready like you think they're yeah. ready to take that next step because it is changing like your your landscape is changing and you have to be prepared to pivot and you got to get in front of stuff you got to handle stuff you know in the present like it's it's not for the faint at heart it is for someone that's yeah. going to get in that seat and it's not 12 inches over like it's a coach it's a it's a whole office over and it's a lot different yeah yeah there are several
1: I mean I don't mind you know and you are familiar with some of them because a a couple are in your league you know I I think that uh, Linda Teeler at Florida is phenomenal I I just I just think she's uh, phenomenal I've worked with her for many many years Um, so uh, she's been ready you know Mm -hmm. and I know she's selective Um, you know I've been you know, Tiffany Daniels is someone that that um, I've been pushing for years. Um, very very talented associate commissioner in, in the SEC and former student ath- Both of them former student athletes um, that have done extremely well in their positions and are are ready. Uh, Kristen Brown at Texas A and M um, is ready. I mean, Don. There are so many. There are so many, because when you do the job every day in the department, you know, then the work becomes, it's a habit. So what you have to get used to is the external part, you know, working with donors, working with the media, you know, speaking engagements. That's the part that you have to get, become familiar with the actual work. We're all doing it
0: every day. Right how does one get experience working with donors like you know because i i know that being here in south carolina they they're really possessive of donors like they don't you know there's certain people that we can't talk to you know there's you know let me handle that account let me so how does how does someone that wants to be in that position cuz that's the hard part that's building a relationship that's the part that's the unknown yeah. um As far as building relationships with donors, because they don't know you and they're used to a certain way. They're used to, you know, the the previous A.D. and this is how we've done things. And how do they get that experience on campus in their current positions?
1: Yeah, it's easier than you think. Okay, so when I was at when I was at Georgia and I worked in administration, I wasn't, you know, as uh, until I moved up in advance. There was a time when I wasn't responsible for fundraising. Right. And, and so it's the same thing I tell student athletes who uh, wanna go into athletic administration, show up at events, go to events. The, we are always having donor events, whether it's a Zoom call during the pandemic or pre-pandemic events, post-pandemic events, you know, show up, go, meet people, introduce yourself. You know, and then you, so you you meet people and then the second event that you go to, some of the same people are there and, and you got to, You're building a relationship with those people, I especially to say that to student athletes. So those in administration who were former student athletes, donors love the student athletes. They want to hear from the student athletes. They want to hear their stories. No one can tell the story of a student athlete like the student athlete. So there's a a built in advantage there. So if you were a former student athlete, they want to hear about your story. So when you go to those events, you do have something to talk about there. You can relate, you know, so going to those events, I think is really important for me. One of the things that I've tried to do here is to to mix our fundraisers and our administrative staff. So we have meetings together. So whereas a lot of oftentimes is separate. So our SWA is in regular meetings with our fundraisers. You know, my CFO is in regular meetings with our fundraisers. Uh, Our deputy AD is in regular meetings with our fundraisers. So I I had to be intentional about that though. Otherwise it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can control it by, by, you know, volunteering and attending events And then, and I've said this to a lot of people as well, you got to make sure people know what you want. So many, many, many years ago, I went to our athletic director at Georgia and I said, I want to be an athletic director. Help me. What do I need to do to become an athletic director? And so once I developed the list, which included fundraising, okay, how do we do that? Okay, well, you take this meeting, you attend this meeting, you go to this event, you know, you know, so letting people know that that's what you want to do, you, know, you gotta speak it into existence. I really believe that.
0: So you went to your athletic director. Now, now you know sometimes when you tell people what you want, there's yeah. roadblocks. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. they're they're looking at, they could look at you like you. She's trying to take my job. So, so how you, do you, yeah. you know, how yeah. do you navigate through that?
1: So you have to know if there is a receptive heart, <laughs> right? Because if there isn't, then you, then yes, they're going to be intimidated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So because my athletic director, Grant McGarity, at Georgia, had a receptive heart to help me learn, I recognized that and I could go to him. But you are exactly right. Not, not every, not everyone should know what your goals and dreams are, because they'll start figuring out how to block that from happening. So you've got to to, um, communicate with, network, reach out to people who you know or sense will have a a receptive heart to helping you grow and develop because they're out there.
0: As you've heard in earlier episodes, we've been sharing about a podcast we love called Flame Bearers. This week... I have a clip that I wanna share with my listeners because Brady is such a boss and exactly what our world needs more of. Brady Tennell is a record-breaking U.S. Olympic bronze medalist and two-time national champion figure skater. She made a tough decision to withdraw from figure skating nationals due to a chronic foot injury. Though Brady's path to the Beijing Olympics ended early, her journey is well worth celebrating. Here, Brady share one of her finest moments.
2: my free skate that year at Nationals, I was in first after the short, which was absolutely crazy to me. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. It's Olympic year, I'm in a really good spot. I just need to go out there and don't mess up, which every athlete knows, you never tell yourself don't mess up because, you know. (laughs) So yeah, I remember stepping on the ice and the the crowd was so loud and so intense that I, I literally could not hear the announcer saying my name. I was just like, well, the clock started, so I guess he said it, I better go. I was like, this is crazy. And I just remember, I have to just put it all on the line. Like, what do I have to lose? I never thought I'd be in this position this year. And I remember finishing that program and looking up at the ceiling and being like, I can't believe I just did that. It was like an out-of-body experience. I like started crying right away. I was like, oh my God. And all I wanted to do was hug my mom after the scores were announced and I realized that I won and I was able to give her a hug right after oh, I won. Good. And like I think that's probably my most cherished moment of my career was being able to hug her.
0: There's nothing like that feeling after winning the championship and being able to share that moment with people you care about most who are with you every step of the way as you worked and fought to get to that point in your career. While we'll miss seeing Brady on the ice during the winter Olympics going on now in Beijing, she'll be cheering for team USA along with the rest of us. Listen to Brady's full episode on flame bearers to learn more about how she's prioritizing herself and her love of the sport over risking lifelong injury. Most of your tenure has been through a pandemic like you know like uncharted waters um how how, i mean how how are you navigating through the pandemic how are you navigating through like ongoing social justice issues and Mm -hmm. and and how do you deal with that because it's a lot it's not just a pandemic It's it's social justice is in a NIL, all these, all this new stuff that's going on, how do you, how are you juggling all of that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I try to compartmentalize a lot because it could be overwhelming if you just try to fix everything at once or address everything at once. And so, you know, when I'm working on NIL, I'm working on social justice or I'm working on NIL when I'm working on social justice. So you think about that So our student athletes, um, so I was just walking through the women's basketball locker room last night before the men's game. And one of our players was in there on her laptop and she was getting ready to get onto a zoom call meeting with, uh, we have a black student athlete organization here at UVA. So she's called boss. So she was just getting ready to get, you know, on that meeting. Now she had just traveled back from a game. She had practiced classwork and boom, right? So she's, uh, you know, staying engaged. And so because I know her, because I talked to her, um, she felt comfortable in telling me what she was doing, you know, and um, and so you, you know this too don't. you have to be present in the moment, moment. Like when I'm talking to a student athlete, I can't be thinking about what happened with an expense or some revenue or something. I, I'm, I'm talking to the student athlete because they are the reason why we're, we're here. Without them, they don't need, there's no need for athletic directors. And so I try to compartmentalize. I try to stay present in dealing with whatever it is I'm working with at the time. And, you know, I try to stay informed. I, I try to make sure I don't get out of touch um, in, in any way. Uh, And the pandemic has made it harder, but not impossible, to stay in touch with the community, the local community here in Charlottesville, uh, with with my family, with our student-athletes. So, you know, you have to, the way I manage it is to compartmentalize it and be present with whatever I'm working on at the time.
0: Well, if we weren't in a pandemic, which is kind of hard to imagine if we weren't, because we've been in it so long. Do you think your job would have been a little easier?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think, yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, all of us have lost revenue that, you know, we would have reinvested, you know, back in our programs, Um, you know, and that's impacted facility, you know, uh, maintenance and changes. And um, from a health and safety standpoint, I, i I think the pandemic has affected all students during the pandemic. I, I had two children that were in college too. They weren't student athletes, but they were in college during the pandemic too. You know, so I know it affects regular students. Um, you know, did our, were our student athletes able to thrive as much as they could have without the challenges of the pandemic and, you know, missing games and missing practices and, often wonder about that you know did we do as well as we could have given the restrictions and but we also had you know in the last two years we've we've won um national championships you know so some so you you know we'll have to look back at over over the years and be able to tell how did we actually do throughout this pandemic um but yeah it's it's definitely been a challenge has been harder it's made the job harder for all of us, I think has made it harder for our student athletes, for our coaches. Um, but we've adjusted, right? We've all adjusted.
0: I'm getting to like, you know, some of your some of your personal life, and you you mentioned that, and 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 juggling that work life balance. How, how do you do that? Like, how do you maintain, you know, being a you know being a mom and being a a wife? Well, you you said your daughters they weren't they came to Charlottesville before they went to college. So how, how was their transition from um, Georgia to, to Charlottesville?
1: Yeah, so 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 we've got three kids and they're spread out. So there's there's four to five years between okay. each one. And so uh, when, when I took the job here and moved to Charlottesville in December of 17, um, my son was in the middle of eighth grade So, so he moved here in the middle of eighth grade. Our middle daughter was going to was a freshman at Georgia, and our oldest daughter was a senior at Georgia. So they were they were in college uh, when I took the job. Our son was the only one that was still living with us um, because he's in middle school. So since I've been here, uh, my son's been in high school. He's a senior now, Joshua. Shout out to Joshua. And then our oldest daughter actually graduated from Georgia and came to UVA to go to law school. So she's been, she was here for three years during the pandemic in law school. And our middle daughter was at Georgia during the pandemic. And so she's in graduate school now at Arizona State. So, um, and my husband is a professor here at UVA. So, you know, the transition for him was uh, was fairly easy. Because he's teaching the same courses he's
0: always taught. Um, Wait, let me so, tell. You, what, what's Joshua? Go, what, he what is he gonna do? Because he's got he's got some heavy hitters as uh, siblings and parents. What's he gonna do?
1: <laughs> that yeah, you know what? He is the most low maintenance, no drama kid in the world. <laughs> he he it very little bothers him, so <laughs> he's not worried about it at all. He'll go to college somewhere and he'll do the best he can. <laughs>
0: Sorry, but I'm gonna... interrupted. You would
1: yeah, yeah, no, name. no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, uh, but he's he's uh, he's a sweet kid, and they they everyone knows he's spoiled. But, um, but yeah, so he'll be going off to college, you know, this summer. Um, and we try, you know, what we try not to do, and I did the same thing with when I was coaching. Is, um, you know, th- there's no pressure like your own internal pressure, no motivation like your own internal motivation. You know, so I I try to make sure that they understand the importance of uh, doing their best. And then they they figure out how to get there, you know, and they've got to figure out how to get there. And I'll help and support them along the way. But the transition has gone has gone well. Um, We've we've moved. We've worked at Georgia twice, FSU, Vanderbilt, uh, now Virginia. So our family is accustomed to moving around a little bit.
0: What does success look like to you? Yeah. Um,
1: personally, when I can um, look in the mirror and feel good about the job I've done, and when I can lay my head down at night and rest easy uh, because my integrity is intact, um, you know, as a, uh, you know, for my family is, you know, my for my children to be healthy and happy and thriving um, and we have varying degrees of that, you know, (laughs) at different times. Um, but, you know, I want to see my kids, uh, be able to thrive and, and do, uh, not be hampered by society or, or anyone else, um, but be able to do what they want to do and be able to do it well. Um, professionally, um, you know, I, I, my hope is that uh, people will always look at UVA and think, "Wow, they do a great job." That that's a well-run athletic department, broad-based, successful program um, that gives all of its teams an opportunity to be successful.
0: Right, that's pretty good. Carla, have you in your career, like, what what was? the most challenging thing. Have you come across people who have challenged your ability to keep your integrity intact?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) And how do you handle that? Like, how do you handle it?
1: I'll give you an example. And I, I, um, you know, this cuts at the core of who I am and why being in this position means so much to so many people and why there are sacrifices. Um, I I used to tell this story and I left out the other person that was with me until that person became an athletic director because I didn't want to do anything to hurt their chances to become an athletic director. But once they became an athletic director, we, we both agreed and we could, you know, use each other's names in, in this story. So several years ago, um, when I was a deputy AD, um, I, you know, I would go with our athletic director to AD meetings to learn because you want to be in the room. You need, to, you need to be able to listen at how decisions are made. Candace at Vanderbilt, um, was, you know, her athletic director did the same with her. So David Williams, you know, uh, allowed Candace to go to AD meetings with him as well. So we were at an AD meeting and um, you know, we got there, everyone arrived the night before because the meetings were gonna start bright and early in the morning. And uh, Candace and I just so happened, got down to the meeting space early. And the meeting space is breakfast set up out in the lobby area. And you could fix your plate and go inside to the meeting room to eat. So we both got there early. And we had on our business suits and our leather messenger bags uh-huh. and our lanyards, you know, with our credentials, um, you know, ready to go and learn. And, um, and we got there and we were the first ones there. And there was one uh, athletic director that was already there. He had gotten there right before us. Um, and she and I walked in and he looked at us, both of us. And he said, what did y'all fix for breakfast for us? And, you know, Candace was, you know, <laughs> Candace is younger than me. So I'm a little bit more seasoned, uh, you know, I think was ready to pounce. Um, uh, but you know, I just, you know, we just kind of looked and looked at him and shook her heads. Because, and that that happens often, Dawn. When that happens, the intent is to break your spirit. That's the intent, that's the motivation, that's the purpose, that's the intent. What we have to do is expect it and not allow it to happen. We, we gotta reject it, you know, and, and, and it's motivation, right? It adds fuel to the fire. Not only are we going to be athletic directors, right? We're we're going to stop that from happening. That 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 has to cease, right? So there's an additional motivation to be a change agent, not just be an AD, but be a change agent. You know, so so yes, have I experienced um, times that challenged uh, my calmness? You know, I won't let anything alter my integrity, but um, yeah challenges to, to me remaining professional and uh a, a, a calm demeanor absolutely
0: does everyone know that you're the athletics director at UVA like I'm gonna give you an example like when we fly in and we're not we have a, a, a bus company from from the, the place that we're flying into <laughs> Sometimes when I get on the bus, I might mean, look kind of young. That's a good thing. But if I sit in the first seat on the bus and Lisa Boyer sits in the, you know, the first seat on the other side on the bus, the bus driver always acknowledges her. And I sit there like I I, I really, I just sit there. and I just let them, t- I let them talk. And then our, our director of basketball operations is, you know, she's a young black um, young lady and. <laughs> she sometimes has to tell the bus driver that i'm the head coach but i don't you know i just you know it's assumptions it's like you know it's assumptions and i i don't really i'm not offended or anything i just i like to see their reaction when they find out that i'm the head is it's it's priceless um so yes we we all go through that i mean it's it's in that profession it's in the you know it's if you're if you're in a you know, retail store, that happens. Like, do you, you, so I wear all black all the time and it's like, you know, no, I'm not the Mac retail person. I'm not, I'm not that person, but but it, it happens. It happens yeah. and um, I'm probably yeah. more like Candace in that situation than you. <laughs> and I really haven't learned that. I haven't learned in a bus situation. I, you know, it's happened so often that I'm just like, oh, okay, this is what it is. Yeah. But in yeah. other situations, I, I don't think I handled them well because the lesson isn't mine is actually for the next person. So I will say something to, to yeah. correct them. Yeah. Um, so we've all been through that. I, I got yeah. just a couple of more questions. Like yeah. did you had to fire a football coach and hire another coach? Is that. He, so he
1: resigned.
0: Okay. He resigned. And I, okay. Yep.
1: And I just hired a new coach. Right. Um, yeah. Three weeks ago.
0: Yep. Yep. Clipson assistant. Thank you for getting yeah. him out the state. So <laughs> increase our chances of winning. Hopefully. What, what goes into that? Like what, what do you look like for the football position? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what type of coach were you looking for? Like when does the search start? Mm-hmm. When, you know, like, are you already thinking like it Tanner? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I got a pretty long deal, but mm-hmm. Shouldn't he be start looking for the next one, like who's the next coach and how do you, what's your thought process in finding a new coach? Do you have, did you have like a mental Rolodex of coaches that you you had your eye on?
1: I think most athletic directors do that for most of their coaching positions because you never know when a coach is going to walk in and say, I'm done. Right. You don't necessarily have to fire somebody. They could just walk in and say, I'm leaving or I'm going to do something else. You know, so you need to be prepared, at least, you know, with a a list and the type of coach that you're looking for. So for so for for football, you know. It unexpected you know, Broncos uh, re- resignation was unexpected and I, I think he's a wonderful wonderful person and did a, a great deal to help UVA and he's laid a strong foundation for coach Elliot. And so you know what you, you look for is um, coaches who you think can help the program be successful so that's winning that's recruiting that's managing young people. Right. And then you got the, the other parts of it, which is the, the CEO part of the sport, you know, being able to work with the administration, work with the university administration, with donors, external media, exception, you know, all of that stuff. So it, it's the same, in my opinion, the, the same set of categories, uh, factors are the same kind of regardless of the sport. And then you start thinking about fit, you know, who, who would be a, a great fit at uva which is a unique place a special place and i think uva attracts uh, a unique set of people whether it's student athletes coaches or administrators and so you want to make sure you add to that we've got some great coaches here and you want to make sure you you add to that because they do feed off of each other and they do talk to each other and um so, so yeah, I've I've been through football's, you know, transition before uh and you know, had that experience at Georgia. Um and and so, and I've and I've been through, I mean, I've been here four years and we've and I've hired five head coaches, you know. So, so uh I've been through it before, different sports, you kind of look for the same things who can be successful.
0: How do you handle this? I'm gonna ask you some like campus type stuff not campus our campus like the stuff I I have to go through when I say this like I think and I'm just kind of asking this because I know other coaches have to deal with this on their campuses it's like um for like men's and women's basketball like what what our men's team may like you know we may not like is as women's basketball like if like if uh um how, how do you, how do you make it equitable? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how, like, like, like I, I do believe just psychologically, psychologically mm-hmm. men's basketball pretty much probably thinks they should get what they want when they want it. And football, Football's <laughs> a different, football is a different beast, yeah. but men's basketball, I think they think they should get what they want, and, and I'm i I'm just going to lay it out there too. Like, yeah. like, um, like there are like, I feel like I've had to fight for our assistant coaches in equal pay, mm-hmm. just, just equal pay. Like I didn't mm-hmm. fight for equal pay until just a while ago, just a few months ago, but for our coaches, I felt like we, we had the same success and that really wasn't a case on the men's side, but they seem to always make more than our assistant coaches. So yeah. I fought, 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 fought. Hey, and I didn't even fight for me at you know, cause I was, yeah. I was comfortable. So how do you have those conversations with, you know, coaches um, when it's time for not even, you know, just making it equitable. Cause yeah. that's the, that's the thing. How do you, you, you seem like, you seem like a, a really nice person. Like I do, I feel your energy is really great energy. Um, I know you have to make some tough calls and have, have uncomfortable conversations. How do you do that? And, and, and make like a coach like me feel good about our assistant coach is not making as much as the men's coach. (laughs) Uh,
1: so first of all, um, uh, I do know Ray from my time my time in the in the SEC. Phenomenal baseball coach. Most of the time, when I was in the SEC, he was the baseball coach and became AD when I was just getting ready to come here, I believe. Um, first of all, um, performance matters, right? Performance matters, and I don't think you or me would expect anything if we weren't performing, right? So, but if we're performing, then we should be uh, compensated appropriately, right? So so I I think that cannot be understated. So the performance, what, what you have done at South Carolina is unprecedented. Yeah, I played at Georgia and we traveled to South Carolina to play. There was nobody in the gym. I coached at Georgia and we played at South Carolina. There was nobody in the gym. Nobody. We we went to South Carolina um, a few years ago for our first and second round of the women's basketball tournament. I parked in the parking lot, you know, where the reserve parking, and... And I always speak to everybody: parking attendants, custodians, grounds crew. It doesn't. I, my dad was a janitor. I know better, right? And we pulled in the parking lot, speaking to everybody. And you know what they wanted to talk about? Dawn Staley, <laughs> the parking attendants. You know, so I. So the performance is speaks for itself. And I think that sometimes. what what we may do is we may get ahead of the performance in our expectations, right? So for me as an athletic director, I got to make sure that our coaches have what they need to be successful. And then when the coaches have what they need to be successful, then it's up to the coach to take that and make it special, right? And when you make it special – Equity is a lot easier. It's a lot easier. In the meantime, um, you've got to follow the law. So the law says, um, you know, you can't raise money to improve the men's facility without doing the same for the women's facility. So that's my responsibility, right? So that's a big part of it too, is when you think about equity, it's not just the compensation, it's also staffing, it's facilities, um, it's it's travel, it's what for recruiting, it's all of those things. And what I found on in my time as an athletic director is, as the AD, if it's not important to me, then everybody else got other stuff to do. If If I don't make it important as the athletic director, then no one else will, and I have to do that constantly. That's 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 that is a constant thing. That is a constant message, because people just don't naturally think that way. So, um, I think communication is really important. Um, I think that a lot of times as athletic directors, um, people don't know what's expected. You know. What's expected? And, you know, we may look at it and go, well, it's clear, you need to win. You need to graduate, you know, you need to be a good citizen of the world, you know? But then you gotta take those things and say, okay, well, am I doing my part to help make that happen, you know? And then when you come and say, hey, my pay and the pay of my staff should be more equitable, then you know what, you're right.
0: So you don't. So taking consideration, like we're considered a non-revenue producing sport. So how do you know? Because that's the thing that comes up time and time again. See,
1: it doesn't matter, and quite, and you you aren't a non-revenue. You are a revenue producing sport, right? But it doesn't matter because the laws. The law says it doesn't matter. <laughs> You know, that's what the law says. And you, you guys sell out. You sell tickets, right? Your your fans travel, right? So that's revenue producing. I didn't say you operate in the black, right? I said, it's revenue producing. It produces revenue, right? So I wouldn't even categorize you guys as that. Um, and the value, here's what we all need to just understand, and move past it, and I think we struggle with it, is the same value that my son gains from playing sports, my daughters gain from playing sports. My daughters deserve the same quality of coaches as my son. My daughters deserve the same quality of facility as my son. Yeah, and so on and so on and so on. It doesn't matter that the market is saying something else.
0: How simple that is. It's very simple. If we could just keep it simple, it, it, it you know, all your answers are, you know, within, with, within that, that simple space. And I appreciate yeah. you for making that very, very clear. So we, we're going to finish up right here. So before I let you go, we're going to do a little something that's fun. It's called the okay. net life shot clock. So I want to ask you some questions and um, hopefully you can answer them in another 20 seconds. If you can't, so be it. <laughs> okay all right <laughs> um what's your favorite Charlottesville restaurant mm, Burton's Burtons I've never been to Burton's. you've been to is the Aberdeen barn still there yeah Aberdeen barn okay. all, right. yep. all right um what was your favorite cartoon as a child um
1: probably the road runner
0: road, okay road runner if the nil or a thing, when you were at Georgia, what deal would you have wanted? Nike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what What is your first memory of watching women's sports? Uh, watching
1: women's sports. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do this in under 20 seconds. I was 15 years old. Louisiana Tech was ranked number one in the country. Georgia was ranked in the top five, top 10 maybe, but up and coming. They played in Cobb County in Georgia. Kim Mulkey, I remember, with her long braided ponytail and those sleeve shirts, played against Georgia. And my high school coach took us to that game. So I'm a freshman, and I'm sitting there watching these these two teams with these women from universities. And I f- that's when I first realized that you could go to college to play basketball. I'm just playing basketball. You can go to college and play basketball. So that was my first – memory of watching women's basketball.
0: Pretty cool one. That's that's pretty cool one. Okay. If you could make a rule that everyone had to follow, what would it be?
1: The golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated.
0: Yeah, when you treat people nope. good, they very, treat you better. Very, very few people do that. Very few. Very mm-hmm. few. Like like when you just said talking to the janitors. We, we talked to everybody. We got a relationship with, with everybody like a good one too, because we take the time to talk to them, all those yellow coats that are around our game. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to them all the time because those are the people, those are the first faces that you see when you come into one of our games and they feel good about what they're doing. They're going to make everybody that walks past them feel special. So yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. What city yeah. do you think the WNBA should add an expansion team? Mm. Charlottesville? <laughs> you
1: know what? I'll go with uh, well, yeah. If it was possible, I'd say Charlottesville. I'm I'm trying to think of where where it would thrive, you know, and I'm thinking Milwaukee, you know, because the Bucks have done such a great job and shown that it can thrive. And they're huge fans of basketball in that part of the country too. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I also like when, you know, I thought it was great when there was a WNBA team in Charlotte, you know, there, I know there's one in Atlanta, but I, you know, another, an additional team in the Southeast would be great.
0: Let's go Mike. Let's go Mike. MJ. <laughs> and then, and then my last question is uh favorite thing about UVA.
1: Favorite thing about UVA? Um, I, there are a lot, okay? But I'm gonna give you a philosophical one. Okay. The, the fact that uh, Jim Ryan and UVA had the courage to give me a
0: chance. Awesome, yeah. awesome. That's awesome, that's awesome. Um in this podcast, I'm talking leadership, disruptors, change makers, it's hoops, it's politics, it's pop culture, it's the net sum of life. So before I let you go, I ask all my guests for some words of wisdom that either they receive that helps guide them or that they want to pass along to others. Carla, what's your words of wisdom to share?
1: I'll I'll think about my children. And what I, I try to share with them, um, which is you've been blessed and highly favored. Return that back.
0: That's awesome. Well, thanks. I truly, I enjoyed this conversation deeply. Um, but before I let you go, do you have anything that you want to plug or promote <coughs> I.E. donors.
1: <laughs> I want I want all UVA donors, all UVA alums, all UVA supporters um, to give to our capital campaign to help us build our facilities. It's, it's going to transform UVA athletics for the next 40 years. We need your help.
0: And I told you I'm going to help you. So yep. I'm still I'm still waiting on you i know i'm I'm still waiting waiting
1: i'm waiting for a purpose i'm waiting
0: (laughs) for a purpose hang in there thank thank you carla so much and best of luck to you I, i wish you nothing but the best and i know uva is a a better place because you are at the helm so i appreciate you
1: yeah thank you and good luck to you i'm i'm so proud of you
0: thank you and thank you all so much for listening don't forget to follow Life with Dawn Staley on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. NetLife is produced by Just Women Sports. For more great sports content, go to justwomensports.com. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter and YouTube channel and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And this is Dawn Staley. Signing off and look forward to uh, having some great conversations.